Hey everybody, welcome to the Airport Wild podcast. Today's episode, we have Nick Atwell, who is the new chair on the Bird Strike Committee USA. Uh, He and I are going to be discussing their upcoming conference, uh, which is their first one that they've had since obviously COVID-19 pandemic. So I hope you like the episode. Sit back, relax, and thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Airport Wild Podcast presented to you by Lou Makers Wildlife Management. Um, I'm Brett Jacobson, and with me today is Nick Atwell, who is the Senior Natural Resources and Wildlife Manager for the Port of Portland and is the new um, new chair for Bird Strike Committee USA. Nick, how are you today? I'm good, Brett. Nice to see you, and uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely excited about this. Uh, like I, you know, like we talked about earlier, I have had a few guests on here, uh, but with uh, that are associated with the Bird Strike Committee. But we have not had uh, any representative from the Bird Strike Committee of USA. So thank you for being on, uh, and let's start here. So. How did the Bird Strike Committee USA uh, start, and how was it formed? Uh, good question. It's got some really good history. So it really started from the idea of Jim Forbes. He was uh, the U- New York State Director of uh, USDA Wildlife Services. Uh, so he became the first chairperson, uh, convened a meeting with just 10 attendees. And that was the Bird Strike Committee USA at the time in 1991. Okay. And what's, uh, I mean, typically what's the overall goal of the committee? Um, I know you guys are obviously a nonprofit, um, but what is what is actually the goal of your committee? Uh, I would say just right off the mission statement is uh, dedicated to providing leadership in managing wildlife hazards to aviation. Okay. And you guys do a lot of educational aspects of, you know, trying to educate, um, obviously, you know, I guess you could call airport operators or people in aviation on bird strikes, correct? We do. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the five guiding principles for uh, the committee here. Uh, first being just uh, exchange of information. Second one, promote and collect uh, and analyze accurate data from uh, the Strike National Database. Third is promote research development. So we see a lot of need in this area uh, for effective procedures, methods, and technologies. The fourth principle being uh, promote professionalism and uh, advocate for high standards and serve um, I'm sorry, the fifth being serve as the national expert body and liaison to other organizations like FAA or national and international bird site committees uh, throughout the world and just other professional aviation and wildlife organizations. So that's kind of our main five guiding principles for Bird Strike USA. And how long have you been on the committee? I know uh, you're newly appointed, congratulations, uh, but how long have you served? 
Uh, I've been part of the committee as an active member, I would say since 2006, and really kind of diving in even more since probably 2010. And what kind of drew you to, uh, to join the committee? Just that information and exchange. Uh, really, I, I have a program here in the Pacific Northwest being PDX and just wanted to make sure that we are still, you know, up to speed and uh, even cutting edge. So that exchange of information of uh, technologies and, uh, you know, policies and standards and procedures is something that I was seeking out. Mm -hmm. Now, is there anything, I mean, obviously in the world of, I guess you could say wildlife management, um, technology has played a huge part in some of the advancements and becoming more efficient. Um, what are some of the, what are some of the, the new, I guess, cutting edge ways that you said um, that you guys have either implemented or talked about or, or uh, researched to, uh, to share that information? Is there any, anything out there right now? Uh, I would say leading into this upcoming conference, there is a lot of focus on UAS. So that's, that's kind of one of the big drivers, I would say, this year in the conference is UAS. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, <laughs> we see that a lot. And I mean, what once was kind of a pain in the butt dealing with, you know, UAF or, or better known as what drones, uh, what, uh, what do you Kind of what's your take on it as far as you know is it more beneficial or is it still more of a pain uh you know as you know airports are a complicated airspace to to <laughs> navigate in uh not only while you're on the ground but now if you get into an aerial aspect it's definitely makes it even more complicated so i can see a benefit we just have to work through some of the challenges to make sure that anything deployed or implemented is done in a safe manner. So I could see a benefit for sure, but it definitely has to be done safely and, and regulated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cause it's a, I don't know, from, from our standpoint, it's definitely a slippery slope. Um, you know, so obviously when it comes to like surveying or getting aerial views and stuff like that, it's definitely beneficial, but you know, anytime you throw something up in the airspace, uh, is particularly around an airport, it definitely can be a, kind of a, a, a tricky, tricky, uh, tricky slope there. But um, I know here in the Northwest, we have a particular bird that's a threatened species, that's a ground nester. So if we actually did some surveys uh, with thermal imaging, we'd be able to uh, detect them, I would say, easier. So there, I could see a benefit in that regard. Uh, I think the jury is out on the effectiveness of uh, aerial hazing uh, and those sort of things, but it'd be interesting to see what folks come to the conference with. I really want to, you know, see what they have. And that's, that's the idea of Bird Strike USA is just to kind of gather uh, a bunch of uh, expertise and have a really diverse body to kind of facilitate that. Okay. Yeah. So let's just segue into this. You know, I was going to kind of save it for, for the end, but um, we're going there. So that's fine. T talk about the conference. I, I mean, obviously COVID, you know, it was real. It did happen. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the conferences that are, you know, that typically were supposed to happen didn't happen. And some of them turned into virtual conferences. Um, tell me what's coming up 
as far as the 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 BSS or BSC uh, in the conference that you guys are holding, I believe it's next month, right? It is. Uh, it'll be August sixteenth, um, starting this three days. So it'd be sixteenth. Uh, let me get the exact days. I'm sorry. Sixteenth, uh, seventeenth, and nineteenth, and uh, it'll be four hour periods each day. And these uh, are going to be held virtually, right? Correct. So given the uncertainty that COVID kind of presented us, we went to a virtual platform. Uh, so it's new, new to us. Uh, we're really excited about it. We're partnering with AAAE. That's going to be the main facilitator of that. So it should go off without a hook. So it should be, should be really well done. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we got a couple panels that we're uh, leaning in on and um, we have a keynote speaker from the FAA. So in probably about 20 other presentations that are still kind of being vetted through the process as we speak. Nice. So how many people do you typically, I guess, because it's all new, right? So um, in, in, in a, I guess you could say in a live conference, what would be the typical, you know, number of, of guests that you would expect at a live conference? Uh, maybe 250 to 300. Okay, so that's pretty good size. So you know, I'm guessing there's a lot of information that's uh, that's in in one one uh, under one roof when you guys all get together. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, um, have you guys had a lot of interest in the online virtual uh, conference? Uh, yes. Yeah. So far, our registration is doing well. Perfect. Um, it's, also something to kind of balance out there. This is still going to serve as meeting the credential to become or uh, maintain a qualified airport biologist credential. So we should have a pretty good showing, I would say. Good. Uh, now you said you had a couple of uh, guest speakers and a panel. Um, what are some of the topics that the panel is going to uh, to cover? Well, the first one is going to be the, the history of Bird Strike USA. So we have some of the founding members uh, back from 1991 that will be joining us to talk through uh, what it took to get it going and uh, where we're at today. So that should be a pretty exciting one. Yeah. Then we also have Burke Rose from uh, the FAA's Airport Safety and um, Operations Division. So he'll be kicking off the meeting this year as our keynote speaker. Nice. And uh, you mentioned your your uh, your sponsor, correct? Triple E. Is that what you said? I, I would say they're more of our partner. So okay. we work with them over the course of many years to set up all of our conferences. So they help facilitate that whole process. So we're really lucky to have them on board and provide us guidance. Nice. And uh, all right. How long have you worked at uh, the Port of Portland? I've been here since 98. Oh, so you've seen some things. <laughs> Seems some changes around here. It's been an uh, exciting road. But yeah, yeah what, are, everything. what are some of the changes that you've seen uh, seen in the, with, that, uh, with the port there? Well, just the infrastructure in itself, uh, a lot of remodeling, a lot of, uh, you know, expansions of um, the airport. So I would say one of the big things that has been done here is a big focus on compatible and use planning in regards to aviation wildlife management. So we met with the city 
many, many times. And so we're able to actually get the airport in what's called the airport plan district. So it's got its own kind of code, which has been helpful. So it, it addresses all of our wildlife hazard management concerns. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. Um, so it's codified. So even landscape species and composition, that sort of thing is in the city code. Nice. So, so as a wildlife manager uh, for the Port of Portland, and then now the president of the, you know, bird strike committee, what are some of the things that, you know, you do in the field that you, you know, carry over in your role with the BSC? Uh, you mean as far as like actual field work or more management of? Both. Yeah, really, I, I push that compatible land use planning quite a bit. And you'll see from other members of Bird Strike USA and even our founding members, that's what they mention is where we need to go next is actually is making sure that we're doing as much if not more uh, outside the fence as we're doing inside the fence. So bringing that proactive management piece is ideal. That's the ideal. Of course, you got to have the reaction reactive piece boots on the ground. Um, but, you know, resources are better spent if we can get to the root cause. So what are, you know, obviously, you said managing outside the fence. What are some of the things that go into, you know, I guess an example of managing wildlife outside the fence um, that maybe you're responsible for that you're seeing, you know, more of a more of a, a hazard threat? Uh, well, I mean, it's open space. A lot of it's open space and then the surrounding urbanization making those open spaces near the airport even more attractive. So my role is to make sure that we're addressing all those risks and reducing the risk to is an acceptable level. And that's through all different kinds of tools and strategies. It could be just uh, vegetation or just uh, habitat modifications or management or, or just direct control itself. And uh, so obviously you're, you're in the, you know, you're basically, you're, you're in the field working on this stuff and then you're coming back and sharing uh, this information to your membership, correct? Uh, yeah, I would say I'm in the field, but not nearly as much as I used to be in the early parts of my career. Well, we all got to get promoted sometime, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I definitely miss uh, more of the field side than I do the administrative side. But... <laughs> What's, uh, what was your favorite thing about working in the field primarily? I really love actually handling raptors. So, you oh, know, okay. catching uh, hawks and owls is something that is always exciting <laughs> to me. So, what uh, what are some of those, the 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 birds of prey, I guess, that you deal with, uh, you know, up in the what is it, Pacific Northwest? Yeah, in the Northwest here, uh, specifically PDX, we deal with a lot of red-tailed hawks. So it's kind of one of our uh, leading high-risk birds. Mm -hmm. um, so it's red tail hawks, but other raptors that we would have in the area, um, owls, great horned owls, barn owls, and that sort of thing. And then now we're seeing, a, a, I would say, a rapidly increasing abundance of both offspray and bald eagles, given that we're on the Columbia River and Willamette River corridors. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the whole eagle uh, boom, I guess you could say, all over the country is 
kind of uh, created quite a bit of a, I don't want to say controversy, but um, a little bit of a headache when it comes to, uh, to airport wildlife management. Um, have you, uh, have you had to, to implement any uh, hazing or harassing techniques for, for eagles at your airport? We do. We disperse eagles with pyrotechnics, uh, lasers if needed. Uh, we just recently obtained a, a purposeful trap and translocate uh, permit too as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I know here in New York, you know, for example, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I, I turned 37 today and I had probably never seen a bald eagle here in New York, aside from the zoo, um, pretty much my entire life. And then the last 10 years, I mean, they're pretty much all over the place. Every, you know, there's uh, breeding pairs at just about every Finger Lake here in central New York, all along the coast of, um, you know, the Thousand Islands, as well as the shores of Lake Ontario. Um, eagles have really, really picked up in this, uh, in this, uh, this section of the country. And I know um, one of our, one of my colleagues that works down in Tulsa, you know, she's had to implement a new, uh, new technique as far as, uh, you know, dispersing eagles at her airport in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it's definitely, uh, yeah. So a lot more handling of, of eagles uh, in conversations about it lately. Yeah, and U.S. Fish recognizes that as well, the increase in abundance throughout the, the country. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, the band of DDT kind of really helped that population. Yeah, it really has. Um, so how much do you work with, you know, I, I know you had mentioned that, you know, the FAA, you're having one of them, uh, one of their, um, well, somebody from the FAA uh, speaking at the conference, but how much do you work with some of those organizations like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the USDA, the FAA? Um, how much do you, do you, I guess, work with them on either sharing information or, you know, any kind of educational stuff? Yeah, Brett, I would say in short, uh, quite a bit. Um, I feel like I'm in tight dialogue with the FA, both here regionally and then uh, back in DC too as well, just through my role of uh, the chair of Bird Strike. And um, USDA, we had a really good conversation today uh, with the, the research center on how we can actually get that information out to a larger group so they can benefit it too as well. Uh, and areas that we might be able to partnership and fill in gaps and research gaps. Um, U.S. fish, I would say also quite a bit too as well. We have a threatened bird on our um, facilities. So that's something that we are in constant dialogue about. Good. And um, what are, I know, I know you, you, you said, you know, you like working with, with raptors. Um, do you have any experience with uh, falconry or anything, any of those uh, management techniques on your airport? Uh, yes, we have tried falconry a couple times, but since we have larger birds of prey in the area, like the eagle and osprey, these little jeer falcons or, you know, other falconry birds, uh, it just wasn't working out at our facility. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So um, have you used, uh, I know we talked about UAF. I mean, have you used any kind of drone or, you know, RC, you know, boats or cars 
uh, on your airport as far as any kind of harassment techniques? We haven't used drones for harassment. Um, even though that we have the ability to do so, we, it's not something that we're, we're currently doing. Um, as far as RC cars, we haven't done that, but we have utilized boats. So in some of the large open water areas uh, at one of our other airports, uh, we use boats and it was an effective tool. Nice. Um, so anything, you know, obviously the industry is always changing. What do you think could be one thing that maybe all airports could implement to help, uh, you know, reduce the rate of bird strikes? It's uh, good data collection. It would be something that comes to the top of my mind and that leads into just uh, informing proactive management. So that data is kind of key because it helps uh, it helps with these conversations at the local regulatory level uh, to get that compatible land use planning where you need it. Uh, and then you can be adaptive in your own um, responsiveness as far as boots on the ground or uh, tools and techniques that are uh, utilized on a daily basis. Now, is it mandatory for every bird strike to be um, to be recorded? Uh, it's not mandatory. So right now it is still considered a voluntary program through um, the FA. What do you think the percentage of all bird strikes uh, that are recorded? You know, I know that goes up and down. Uh, I think that right now we're trying to get, there's a, there's a gap that we have identified that hasn't been there before. So with our partnership with airlines, we've identified that uh, some of the maintenance facilities are seeing more strikes than we thought in the past. I don't have a really good number for you because that's, that's, that's a newer one that's kind of coming out of uh, some, some new research. Nice. Um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. I mean, like pretty much in anything in this industry, you know, unfortunately, you know, as much as, you know, people like us that work in the industry, we want to be proactive rather than reactive, but it usually takes an incident before something gets implemented, um, which is more reactionary than anything. So hopefully, you know, hopefully the, FAA or, you know, just the education that you guys provide, as well as some of the stuff that we do in the training at airports, um, you know, we can definitely encourage that every wildlife strike be recorded. We, we have that policy at our installation, BMPDX, uh, but I know that's just not a national standard. So I, I attend the airline station manager meetings and I advocate for, you know, really good, solid uh, strike information, provide them strike kits, and request them to actually submit it back to my team so we can actually fill in any of the holes and then submit it to the national database as a, a really complete package. Yeah. When you're looking at that national database, um, what are some of the inf what's some of the information that you're really looking, that you're keying into to try and, you know, um, I guess, better provide education for everybody else? Well, what we really focus on is uh, the severity of the impact side. So we use that in our risk assessment model. So that's how we rank our birds is how often are those causing damage? How, 
how often is those each individual species causing damage throughout the country on a five-year rolling average and then mirror that up with our uh, internal local strike database how often are those birds actually being struck so that would be the uh, probability side mm -hmm. so that's something that we focus on and, and utilize quite a bit from that that data yeah not to put you on the spot but do you have some of those numbers um, on a five-year average of you know how many bird strikes have uh, you know either caused severe damage or emergency landings you know etc for for PDX yeah oh yeah uh, I, I mean I don't I we have our own internal database I would just have to actually submit a query but that it's not a problem so getting back to you know obviously your organization um, what are the typical, what's your membership typically look like as far as, you know, who's a good person that might, you know, benefit from uh, joining your organization? We look for a whole diversity. I think we, we have 50 different countries, or, or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, members from all 50 states, uh, I think 26 countries. Um, and so it's anyone from entry level to you know senior level and i think that's important to have that gap because we can actually that information exchange we don't want it just walking out the door with someone retiring so having that you know diversity uh not only just nationwide or, or worldwide but even just like throughout the different experiences is really important so it's all inclusive from my perspective what do you think, obviously, what do you, what do you, as far as like new membership, right? What do you think the biggest, you know, um, the biggest advantage uh, for somebody who has never been a man, a, a member of the BSC, um, what do you think the biggest takeaway uh, they immediately get from joining your organization? Really just building that network. Uh, your own internal network. Like if I had a question I didn't know, maybe I can call you up, Brett, and uh, yeah. see if you actually are doing it different. Uh, in every area, in every airport does have its unique differences. So it's important for us to kind of talk it through. So having that ability just to exchange the information is probably one of the best things. And that's, that's the main mission of Bird Strike USA is just kind of promoting that uh, dialogue and exchange of information. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously my profession is, you know, sales and marketing, and I'm a part of a huge network of, um, of people um, that are way more skilled or more experienced than I am. And I definitely lean on them for, for information. Um, the same thing here, at, you know, in our company, um, I know our biologists, you know, on our weekly phone calls and our daily check-ins, you know, they definitely share information, share different techniques, what's working, what's not, um, you know, even migration patterns and so on and so forth. So, you know, I'm a big advocate of not only your organization, but, you know, the whole uh, philosophy of, you know, more information, the more information I can get my hands on or have access to, the better. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And we, we focus on all types of that information. So it's really important, not only just to talk about what works, but what doesn't work. So if I was new to this gig, I would 
I would benefit quite a bit by not trying something that was just a gimmick or just wouldn't work in the first place and, or just failures like, Hey, we've tried that. And, you know, we moved on and that's, that could be really important information for people. <laughs> it's kind of the old saying, you know, if you, if you had a re if you had a redo, you know, <laughs> if you could do everything over again, but yeah, I, I definitely, I couldn't agree with you more. I love the, 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 the thought process of, you know, educating more on failure than, success because you know it's easy to talk about everything that has gone right but you know to share that information of maybe what you've done wrong and swallow that pride to uh to kind of help somebody else out that's a that's a great point well it's a driving force to even you know make better yeah absolutely um so where can you know where can listeners get information um about about your organization as well as the upcoming conference uh two two spots or there's several actually um so we have a, a website birdstrikeusa.org that would be one that site is being i would say updated as we speak we're working on updating that whole site but you'd get all the information still there uh AAAE has uh that posted on their site too as well and Bird Strike USA has a Facebook page that we send out blast through there. And if you were to register as a member, you'd get a, um, on occasion, we try to kick out newsletters uh, three, four times a year. And that would have uh, the pertinent information in there too as well. Nice. And, uh, you know, not, not to plug Loom Acres, but I know we've got your conference dates on our website as well. So, uh, oh, yeah. Hey, sharing information, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, if somebody, you know, listening wanted to get a hold of you to ask a question, what's the best way to, uh, to reach out to you and, uh, and, and maybe bounce an idea off of you? Uh, yeah, the email, my email is listed on the, on the site there. Um, the Bird Strike USA site, so folks can grab it there and shoot me an email message, and we can work on the correspondence from there. Nice. Well, Nick, that's all I got for you. Um, like we, uh, I'd like to thank you for being on, and just for everybody to uh, to to recap: August sixteenth, seventeenth, and nineteenth, the Bird Strike Committee uh, USA is holding its virtual conference. Uh, I encourage everybody listening to obviously uh, to go online, educate yourself, um, get as much information. Nick, you know, is very responsive and uh, he, he's on the ball. So uh, I appreciate you, you joining us. I hope you come back. Maybe we'll have you on again and we'll talk, you know, we'll recap the conference and, and talk about some other, some other things. I know we're always doing panel. Uh, that sounds good, here. Brett. Yeah. I'd lo love to come back and we can talk nuts and bolts about, you know, specific strategies uh, when you're ready. Absolutely, buddy. Well, uh, I think we accomplished everything. I hope this virtual conference goes great. I know I'm going to be in attendance as well as some of my, uh, my colleagues. So uh, I'm really excited about it. It's actually going to be my first because I, when I uh, started last year, COVID obviously uh, kind of threw a wrench in a lot of things. So it's actually going to be my first conference. So, uh, you know, no pressure. And uh, yeah. no need, no need for shout outs, but you know, I'll be, I'll be in attendance. <laughs> no, that sounds good. And uh, pass it on to everybody that uh, feedback is great. That's going to actually keep us moving in the right direction. So 
we don't have thin skin and we love everyone's feedback. Let us know how we can do things better. I definitely, I definitely think in this industry, you got to have thick skin. So, cause there's a lot, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of mistakes that, that, that happen and there's a lot of learning curves and, and whatnot. So, uh, but again, Nick, appreciate your time and, uh, and good luck. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Take care, Brett. Thank you.